You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Hello, Wales. This is Kyle Reese. You're listening to another wonderful episode of The Tuesday Club. And it's a very special episode today because it's episode one of series two. Sean, are you there? I am here after 25 episodes of season one where we set out in trepidation, not knowing what to expect, Kyle. A mixture of showbiz, entertainment and our passion, other passion, rugby. And we've had some amazing guests on. Uh, took a little week's break uh, because we've been working hard on it through lockdown. But I'm delighted that we started season two with a bang. What a guest we've got today. Yeah, today um, I, f- I feel like uh, it's going to be the best opening show episode of a series of podcast. We have got a legend of TV, a legend of theatre, one of the funniest comedy actors to come out of Britain, I feel, anyway, the velvet dulcet tones of Colin McFarlane. Hello, Colin. Hello, Kyle. How's it going, mate? Surreal. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm, I'm good. so impressed that you're doing this, Carl. Can I just say, I'm <laughs> so impressed. How many episodes have you done? This will be episode 26. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't have the technological brain to even know how to do a podcast, so I'm happy to take part in one. <laughs> Colin, neither did we. I'll tell you, the first first episode we did, Sean came to my house, and he had this tiny little bit of equipment. He was like, right, okay, I've got these mics that I that I use when I do gigs, and this is tiny. Right. And I was just, he was like, you chucked it at me. He was like, try and figure that out. And uh, it, took us a, it took us a couple of episodes, but we got in the end. But uh, just a quick shout out. We got um, taken on by uh, a, a media company, Buffoon Media. Uh, so Adam Amo, who is the director of Buffoon Media in Port Albert, he uh, very kindly gave us um, a bit of kit, which now we re- use to record. Well, I've got it, so I've got the the whole setup here. We've got the nice microphone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. But yeah, so that like and it, it's just gone on from there. So it's been uh, it's been brilliant. But back to today's episode. Obviously, we've. We've got you on. I haven't seen you, Colin, obviously, since we um, stopped shooting last year. Um, how's it been? Yeah. How has the last six months been for you, mate? Uh, yeah, I think surreal, like most people. You know, you have your, your ups and your downs in terms of... Uh, I, I'm I mostly kind of quite comfortable in my own company, so I'm quite comfortable in lockdown. <laughs> my wife is not quite so comfortable. She has moments where she's just like, I want to get in the car. And I want to see her, an horizon somewhere because um, we're in London and you're surrounded by buildings. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think we are kept busy by, thank God, like you, I've got the microphone. So I have the home studio. So I've been doing some recordings, thank God, so I can learn something. Um, and then, of course, thanks to you, Kyle, you got me into the cameo thing. So oh, yeah, I yeah. get to talk to the fans on that, which also takes you out of your head for a bit. Um, and then I've been doing better writing and stuff. And then around that, it's been... I should have been doing more writing, but I keep being seduced by Netflix um, and and Amazon Prime, actually. So I've been watching a lot of stuff as well. Um, And then had a few kind of detours with political stuff, you know, with the whole, um, less so the Black, well, Black Lives Matter in a different way, but but more with um, the Windrush stuff, because my parents are both Jamaican, came here in the 50s. They're both still alive, thankfully, uh, 85 and 91. So they, yeah, they found that whole thing very disturbing uh, because it could have happened to them. And so that made me really for them do a lot of research into it. So um, I've been reading a book by a media gentleman who was that journalist in The Guardian who broke the story. Um, So she's written a book called The Windrush Betrayal. And I've read that twice (laughs) and taken notes. So I'm going to try and do something to help the people that are not getting compensation so yeah that's yeah. that's taken a bit of time in a different way so that's a long answer there. to your question well yeah because you know we're also busy normally aren't we call that um lockdown has afforded as bad as it's been the opportunity to do things you know that yeah. you wouldn't normally have the time to do it's great that you've been watching a bit of netflix and amazon prime because kyle's going to ask you a lot and, a lot, <laughs> and you can give us some tips on what to watch there but you know i, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um all the things that you've done because you know you're you're such a distinctive face 
you know, we people like me, we would have seen you in, in a diverse range of things, TV, films, theatre, but your voice as well. You do so much with your <laughs> voice. You know, Kyle was telling me, um, um, for example, uh, you've seen the Red Bull advert. I said, of course I have. He said, well, Red Bull gives you wings. I said, yeah. He said, that's Carl. I said, is it? <laughs> Get off. You know, well, God bless like him. He's, my, he's my biggest agent. I haven't actually done Red Bull for a little while because I, I did it for five years. Um, so uh, before anybody had heard of Red Bull, yeah, I was the voice on pretty much all the adverts for about five years. Can you yeah. do it? Can you do it for me? Every time I see you, call, you always do it for me. Can you do it for me now on the podcast, please? Well, they were different every time, but the, the, the line at the end was often, Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> so that was often the... <laughs> That's a brilliant. That was often the one at the end. The other one I was. I did oh, I was the other one I was Sorry. telling Sean about, which you which you told me about. Um, I think we were on the car, uh, in the car on the way to um, the hotel from from a day's filming, and you we were chatting about this, that, and the other. And like whenever I'm in the car, Sean uh, with Colin, I'll just do, I'm just like this. And, like you know me, I don't stop talking. I'm always full of life. Whenever I'm around Colin, I'm just like this. Because I just cannot help but listen to him and his voice, and it's just oh my god! But uh, he told me that he was also the voice in the Cube, and that blew my mind because I used to oh, love, yeah, I used to love watching that show, and then it was just you get you know for me before I met Colin, it was just all right. You comes the guy now, his voiceover with uh, this one, you have to do this before the time runs out, <laughs> and then I've got Colin in the car on the way back to the hotel, like four in the morning after night shoot, doing all these little scenarios for me. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. And the, and the crazy thing about that show is I never met Philip Schofield um, because we always did the voice afterwards. So I was at a national TV awards one year. I used to do the, you know, the voice of God that introduces the people at the beginning. So there's the usual after show party. And bizarrely, it was Philip Schofield, not name dropping here. This is just what happened. It was Philip Schofield and Simon Cowell, who was with his then partner, which is not the same one he's with now. Anyway, they... I think Philip Schofield was kind of walking my direction and I just went, Mr. Schofield. And he went, hi. And I went, voice of the cube. And he went, oh my God. (laughs) He'd ever actually met me. So we, I was kind of, we then started this conversation and I just remember Simon Cowell just completely interrupting and coming right across me and just, yeah, just completely. And Philip Schofield being very sweet and looking back and going, sorry, you know. Um, But yeah, we'd never met. So, uh, while we're on while we're on the things you do with your voice calls, t- I know we do a lot of children's uh, TV shows as well, and I know you've done a lot yeah. of uh, computer games in the past. But what are some of the some of the biggest voiceover work, voiceover work that you've done that we all know, but uh, like obviously us oh. now knowing you don't know that was you. Oh God, uh, uh, I guess the same. Well, I was the voice of ITV for about five years so you it would have just been that voice that you hear that would be saying to you you know next tonight on itv1 bloody 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 blah you know whatever that is i love his um, and, voice and, and then i would do i did most of the channels I, I i think i've been the voice of most stations for a period you know like uh there was turner turner network when that first started was, um i think it was turner classic movies i was the voice of that for quite a few years um but in terms of commercials i was the voice of nissan for about two or three years, did all their cars. What happens is they they put you as the voice of these campaigns. And then, of course, because we're actors, Kyle, we get snapped up to go and do a TV show. Um, And then suddenly, like, for example, Nissan, I was on an exclusive contract for, like, I think it was two years in the end. And then one day, literally, I was not available because I was doing something and they couldn't get hold of me. And then they decided to move the contract onto someone else. (laughs) As they do. You're like, whoa, that was a bit harsh. Um, So they just want you available all the time and as obviously there are a lot of voiceovers who are just voiceovers um and they can be more available but when we're acting and doing other stuff we're not always there and so that sometimes can get in the way of a contract so i think i I did a lot of cinema trailers a lot of tv campaigns over the years i'm trying to think of specifically which ones it's always hard because i've kind of done everything but um more recently wait 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 wait. i'm just gonna i'm gonna go back a minute sean listen to this right he told yeah. me this on set as well. The cinema trailers. He didn't. He didn't just do Colin McFarlane on the cinema trailers. He, you, you've got, you've viewed him on many, many movies. Do can you do a little feature for Sean just to sort of jog his memory in that American voice that you did? Do it. Oh, which which film? Which, um, um, I don't know. Pick, you pick uh, a film. Pick one you've just recently watched on Prime I or know, something. Uh, it, it's always hard to kind of come up with. Uh, it would be uh, what's the last one I did. 
Oh God, it's so hard. Uh, uh, well, if I was doing a movie trailer, it would be something like, um, um, you know, um, God, it's so hard off the top of your head. I'm trying to think of Sean's name. So if I could think of Sean was in the movie, so uh, what movie would it be? Bad Boys. Bad Boys. <laughs> starring Kyle Reese, Sean Holly, in a movie you've never seen before. Well, they'll get up to things you've never imagined. But, I mean, depends what the... Sometimes you do a kind of... Brilliant. You know, then, if it's uh, comedy, it's... you'll do something up there. You know, it's <laughs> Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. You might go up here somewhere. Um, and then class. sometimes if it's Batman and Robin, you're down here. So it just yeah. depends on the thing. But uh, they changed all of that a few years ago where the American actors then started doing them in the States. So I do less of the film trailers now. Um, I've just done, actually, a... And, you know, it's like, Carly, you can never say what the hell you've done. But I've just done a narration, <laughs> but I can't tell you the company. So I'll tell you when this comes out so you can put it with it. But I've just done a bedtime story um, for a company that I'm not allowed to name yet. Um, and I think it, they're editing at the moment. But that's one of those things that, you know, you can you can then sign on and listen to it at nighttime. And they'll put my voice with lovely music and it will make you relax. And I, I kind of feel like, Carl, obviously with the, with the rugby link here, I kind of feel yes. like Bill McLaren was the voice of rugby. I kind of feel like you are the voice <laughs> of TV. That's that's you. Bill McLaren, the voice of rugby. Colin McFarlane, the voice of I'll TV. I'll I think take that. that. Listen, I yeah, just wanna, you, should, you should take that there. I want to go back. You mentioned uh, Batman. Obviously, we'll, we'll have a little chat now about some of, some of your work. Um, most recently, um, Outlander. You joined in season four, the same as I joined season four. Yeah. Um, what has Outlander been like for you over the last couple of years, my friend? <laughs> well, of course, you know the answer to that question. Um, it, it's been, as as we all know, as not the major characters, we never quite know what they're going to do with us. So um, season four was me constantly saying to the producers, uh, are we going to get into the stuff that's in the book? Um, his relationship with Jocasta, is that going to happen? Oh, we don't know yet, Cal, and we're, we, you know, we'll see how things go. And, and so I get that a lot. And uh, and I think it was the end of season four, beginning of season five, then the producers finally said, we're going to give you a little bit more to do in season five. And that's when they kind of gave me a heads up that I would, I would get to kill somebody. And I was like, great, love a bit of that. Um, I mean, Carl, you had some lovely action in this season. So I was kind of like going, yes, they've given us some stuff to do. Yeah. Um, so it's been, I think, as you probably discovered too, Carl, the, the, the surreal thing about Outland is I'd never heard of the show before. Um, and then you enter this world of this massive Outlander fandom, which is just quite surreal. Um, and that's probably been, you talk about what you do in lockdown, as you'll see, I'm on Twitter a lot. And... You, you can spend you just go down rabbit holes with Outlander fans having all these random conversations because <laughs> there's so many of them and you don't realize that they're literally around the world um so I think that has just been a great adventure uh which I we are still continuing on really even though we're not filming at the moment you still get the fans coming to you and asking questions and asking for shout outs and stuff so but um yeah so it's been a I, I've enjoyed doing it um I don't know if I'll be back. I mean, a lot of fans have been asking. I'm allowed to say because the producers did tell me they're keeping the door ajar. So uh, they do, all they said is that we might get you back for one or two episodes if you're free, if it works with the storyline, you know, that kind of thing. So who knows? Well, I think they'd be silly not to have you back, Colin. I'll be honest with you. I felt so the same, Colin. I felt the same. We uh, I hadn't heard of the show apart from when Kyle... Um, Right. told me he was going in it so you know we had uh, Katrina on then we had Sam on we've had Tim Downey right. now we've had yourself and the kickback we've had in terms of listeners and then the reaction to having people like yourself on this this will be massive now with the Outlander fans it's going to be amazing Good. and um, it's it, it's really opened my eyes really as to how big the show is and mm-hmm. I gotta be honest I gotta say mate when when you, because I was, I've been watching it now with. Oh, brilliant! Because of Kyle, when you came into it, I, I'm not just saying this. I said to myself, "Oh, there's more, there's more to come from this character," <laughs> you know. Because when you first uh, are on, you think, "Okay, I get it," but he's too big a presence, and there's there's too much in there. There's more to come. So if the producers get any sense, mate, then you can do a lot more killing well, and stuff you. like that. Bless you. You never know with these things, but um, 
there is another just for the Outlander fans. There is they do a DVD as Kai will know after the end of each season. So there is an extra scene that I shot. Of course, we're not allowed to say what it is, but I did do a bonus scene that that will be on the DVD, which comes out I think sometime in September to get the fans through Droughtlander. Droughtlander. <laughs> they love that. They love the Droughtlander. Droughtlander. I don't really think. Obviously, when we when we both we both started in season four, and obviously I was only in a few episodes then, um, and even then it was just you know the fandom just sort of went huh who are you you're yeah. new you're in the show i don't care if you've got one line you're in the show and i love Correct. you and it's it's very overwhelming it's lovely and it's flattering but then obviously going on then into season from season four into season five and then it just becomes like you said you know we, we went from being the most expensive extras to actually being you know some some decent actors in the show in season five and, yeah. and it just it's so, it sort of blows up but one of the things I want to ask you as well is about when we're actually on set. Like Sean just mentioned there, we've had Sam and Kat and Tim on and we all get to work with Sam and Kat and Sam and Kat steer the ship. They are the, the captains of, of the Outlander yeah. ship and and they're brilliant to work with. But obviously we all had a lot to do, especially in season five. A lot of the characters that were introduced in season four that necessarily didn't work together, we yeah. all sort of became a lot closer and worked together. So... How was that for you in last season when we all sort of had those big grand scenes where we were all there and just describe what a day on the set would be like? Um, well, you, I guess you guys as the kind of Fraser's Ridge family got more time together because obviously Ulysses was always locked in with Jocasta. But the wedding scene, probably the beginning of season five, was probably the nicest time in terms of just literally, as you say, all the different stories, all the characters from all the different storylines being on set on the same day um, was kind of fun. Although I was sat, <laughs> I was sat behind Caitlin with the baby from hell, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> so just to share with the fans, we have two babies um, uh, and one is quite well behaved and one is not quite so well behaved. And bless her, Caitlin was doing everything she could do, but this baby would not stop crying. And I was sat right behind with, of course, Maria who plays Jocasta and, also with um, Alistair, who came in as Duncan Innes. So, yeah, we were sat there. Um, but it was, yeah, it's always been, it's a weird thing because I, I, all my scenes are with Maria normally. So you do feel like you're in this other, this little bubble. Yeah. Um, that you're kind of in Jocasta's world. Um, so it is nice when you get other people from other storylines to coming in. And, and But, you know, it's a weird one because Ulysses is very much that silent as someone mm. said to me in Scotland, I was in a restaurant one day and one of the waiters, we've been talking for like two hours and he, he knew me for Batman, but he hadn't clicked. I was an outlander, even though he'd watched it. It was really weird. And then he just literally went, oh, you're the brooding manservant. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the description. I went, the brooding manservant. I like that. So that was very much, I think, how Ulysses came across in most of season four because he didn't say very much. And then a little bit more in season five. So yeah, it's been fun to... To, to meet more of the actors but I, I it's a weird one Ulysses is around a lot but he doesn't say a lot so you don't always have a load to do um, and what, ironically one of my most fun days was doing the bonus scene um, and I can't say who it was with yet but we, we spent six to seven hours shooting the scene and I hadn't actually had that other than normally I'm normally standing around so it's bizarre how it works the, the nights after shooting were always fun in the hotels though yes <laughs> Yeah. Well, some of, but also Kyle. Remember, some of our, some of the most fun I had with Kyle was was actually the bonus, the spinoff from Outlander was the convention. Oh yeah, um, and going to Kansas City. I mean, one of you done a job that you you get flown to another country to go and meet the fans. Um, that's when you realise the scale of it. And yeah. um, I had great fun in Kansas City. So, okay. and you know, those are the things that I think most shows don't. And that's when you realise how big the show is. I was going to ask you that when flipping back to Batman, Carl, because, you know, all of the the superheroes like Batman, Superman, the, the following, the comic cons and things like that. Yeah. It, do, you, do you see a similarity with Outlander fans or is it totally different kettle of fish in terms of the, or the whole Batman thing? I mean, I haven't really done I've just been approached by a few agencies to do some comic cons for Batman. I haven't ever done any yet. Um, so... I guess it's something down the line, but you you don't get the same, even though there's a big fandom with those movies, 
they don't seem to connect in the same way that an Outlander fandom does. I, I just, it's a different vibe. I'm sure if I went to the conventions, you'd get all that love. Um, but there's something about Outlander fans. They, they're not only do they, are they really supportive of all of us. Um, it's the way they actually support each other. And, you know, if somebody attacks you on social media, the Outlander fans get on there and defend <laughs> you. I mean, you know, they are amazing. Um, so no, that's a completely different, I can't compare Batman fans to that. I, even though I know that there's a huge amount of Batman fans, they just don't seem to, I haven't yet been, uh, what's the word? Um, I've not been entered into their Batman fan world in the same way as, or embraced in the same way as the Outlander ones. Still though, being um, in- I'm sure that will come. Being in, um, like, obviously, me, we all grew up with with these comic characters, didn't we? Like, they've been going since the early fifties or whatever it was. But yeah. I just want to clear something up. Like, I've seen all of Nolan's Batman movies, and they're all brilliant. Yeah. And to yeah. this day, like, how do you pronounce your character's name? Oh, just think of earlobe. Lo- so lobe. That's it. Commissioner, Commissioner Lobe. Commissioner Lobe. Lobe. Yeah. So, Just think of earlobe. Have, have you seen the the Batman films, Sean? Yeah. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm, Batman's my favorite. It's it's well, the first the, the first one was my favorite to do because a because I had more screen time. Yeah. But also just the scale of it. Um, it was just a quick. I probably told. I know I've told Carl so many stories. I don't know if I told you this one, but I was originally cast in my first Hollywood film would have been the Spy Game with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt and. I was so excited. I'd learned the lines. I was ready to go. And that was going to be my first movie. And then at the last minute, I was directing and in a stage show at the same time that I produced. And it was all set up, all looking great. And then at the last minute, uh, uh, Tony Scott, who's now passed away, his mother or father, Camberwich, passed away. They had to change the dates and they wanted me to film as our play was opening. And cut a long story short, I couldn't do the two. And it's probably the only time in my career I've cried because I had scenes with Robert Redford, one of my heroes, Aww. and Brad Pitt, and I couldn't do it. Um, and I remember people saying, but you can, you just, just you know, leave the show. And I went, I've just raised £90,000 to put this show on. And I've spent most of it on rehearsals and marketing, and I can't just leave, you know. So I couldn't, sadly. But the, the, the good news is two and a half years later, same casting director cast me in Batman Begins. And so I kind of felt like I had to wait two and a half years to finally get my first... Hollywood film, but it didn't feel like a Hollywood film because we shot the first scene in London, 10 minutes from my house. And <laughs> I thought, this is really weird. And then the, the following week, they said, we're now going to Chicago. And I went, okay, this is more like it. <laughs> um, and we filmed in Chicago and it was the last, if you watch Batman Begins, the sequence at the end when Scarecrow, Killian Murphy, the wonderful Killian Murphy, he's, he's doing his Scarecrow thing with some weird gas thing. And Gary Oldman, who was beautiful to me on that job um he is trying to do something in the in this weird area that the scarecrow has got him in and i arrive in a car and basically we shot that at 10 at night through till four in the morning and this is the first time i remember saying to myself oh my god this is what a hollywood movie is because i was the only person with dialogue and there were something like i don't know 10 helicopters going over the top they had to coordinate something like five different bridges going up over the chicago river they had water hydrants going off. They had police on horseback. They had people in SWAT vans. You're going, oh my God, the scale of it. Jeez. And you're thinking, if I go wrong with my lines, they got to reset. Do it all again. Helicopters, <laughs> right? And that's all you're thinking about. Going, oh shit. And then my lines were to Gary Oldman. And he had gone the day before. He, he'd shot his stuff the day before. <laughs> so I had to play this high stakes, really intense, high pressured scene with a continuity announcer, well, or continuity announcer, continuity person, who was very lovely, but is not an actor. So <laughs> there's me getting out of the car going, Gordon, Gordon, where are you, Gordon? And I'm getting this, hello, Lobe, Lobe. Lobe. <laughs> <laughs> Non-performance coming back at me, and I'm having to kind of, oh, it was, it was surreal. And you're then being told, uh, to your left, the Batmobile will come past you, the real Batmobile, so please react and look at that. But then to your right, there'll be a CGI Batmobile. So look and imagine, because that's going to be done later. Then we have a water hydrant going off. Then we... So you had all these things in a very short sequence um, and with all these bridges and helicopters and stuff being queued. And I just remember standing there and going, wow, this is a Hollywood movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. Brilliant. 
amazing amazing experience we <coughs> just to let everyone know we st- we're all still in our houses doing stuff and i've just gone go and grab yes. an asda delivery so sean you go the next question oh wow i love that keep going and i'll be straight back well, that's right. that's life for you that's life for you carl that's life. this uh, listen I'm sorry, um, by the way sean i realized that you guys are both in landscape and i'm in portrait it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we, we've got your voice we will be putting this out on youtube because um the the outlander fandom will will demand it that's, well, that's the reason sure. we do that I'm i want sure. to take you back mate to um to a hugely successful show that i was really really fond of and that's the fast show um, oh wow you know when you think about the fast fast show you've all become pretty iconic and it was it was a little bit out there at the time wasn't it it was it was definitely a little bit different you yeah. know, what was it like in preparation for those shows? You know, this, uh, all, all the sort of scripting and, um, you know, working together on different, um, you know, uh, yeah, it was, stuff like that. Uh, that came out of, uh, I was doing a show called Tales from the Poop Deck yeah. at Pinewood Studios. Uh, it was a kind of kid series. And th- there were a guy called Chris Langham, who sadly um, got into a bit of trouble with the authorities years later. So... He doesn't. He's not in the business anymore. Um, it, it was a lovely guy, but Chris, Chris and Griff Reese Jones and Mel Smith had produced it, and they kind of knew a lot of the comedy world. And so, as a result of doing that show, they Paul Whitehouse got in touch and said, "Could you come and do a general audition?" And I met them, and then they said, "Do you write?" And I said, "No, not really." And they were like, "But you look like the kind of guy that would write." I said, "Well, I, I can write, but I haven't written for TV." Um, and he said, okay, well, if you have any ideas, we'd love to look at them. I, I didn't ever write anything for them. And we just went through various different sketches, just coldly, just read them with him and Charlie Hickson. Um, and then it, it sort of developed, I think, with each series, they kind of just gave me a little bit more to do. Um, and one of the one of the sketches, I mean, I, I get stopped for those sketches still today, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, but one that, that was, uh, oh, I can hear the rain outside. Um, there was one, I did one with Steve Davis, the snooker player, um, yeah. which we had to go to Steve Davis's house, which was great. So we went to his house in Romford in Essex and, and I had to be, we had to plan the sketch. So the sketch was basically going to be me dressed as Shaft. I don't know if you've seen this one, but I have a wig on as Shaft. I've got the yeah. shades on. I've got the leather coat, a couple of babes on my arm and, the, and it's set to music. And the idea is that I come in, I think you get Steve Davis going wrong with a shot. And you get a voiceover saying, oh, dear, he's not going to like that. Something <laughs> like that, you know. And then suddenly the music kicks in, up I step, and then I clear the table. Uh, we worked all of that out at Steve Davis's house. And then, of course, he puts my black gloves on and does all the trick shots. But I had to do a couple of them that he had to teach me. That was great fun. And the interesting thing about that sketch is that it was directed by a guy called Mark Mylod, who went on to direct Game of Thrones. And that was the first thing he'd ever directed. One was to direct Game of Thrones, and he's now producer and director on Succession, which wow. is that amazing show that HBO make. So from the humble beginnings of the Fast Show, he's now one of the top directors in Hollywood. So it just shows, you know, you you always be nice to those people on your way up because you yeah, never know yeah. where they're going to get to. Two of the scenes oh. that I love, the ones that uh, I think you may have retweeted uh, maybe a few months ago. But I always watch like UK Living and UK Gold and The Fast Show, Harry Enfield, Only Fools, all these British classics. Yeah. They're always, and I get that from my dad. That's all we ever used to watch when I was growing up was with all these programs. So I know, um, what was the other one? Uh, Hail and Pace. I used to love Hail and Pace as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hail and Pace. Um, but yeah. I love watching all these. And two of the, two of the scenes that, uh, one that I only seen when it was recycled on uh, social media in the last couple of months. And the other yeah. one, which is you, um, oh, now, which one is it? Right. So the, the is, it me and, is it me and Phoenix Dexter in the street? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of them. And the other one is with, <laughs> with you. And I can't remember his name. I worked with him as well in, in the Indian doctor, um, suits oh. you, sir, not Paul Whitehouse, the other fella. Oh, Mark Williams. Mark Williams. Mark um, Williams. And you're all sat around the table and you're all like these, you know, gentrified, um, well, I've got oh, this. I'm more middle class. Was it the middle class? I'm more middle class than you. Oh, brilliant. I love that one. Yes, we used to watch BBC. We never watched ITV. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, that was Mark. Mark's brilliant. We actually ended up, um, I was on a train, I think to Cardiff, strangely. Uh, and Mark was on the train with me and he came through with his daughter, I think, and said, oh, I'm doing a show. You'll have to come on it one day. And I thought, what's he talking about? And it was Father Brown, which has been running 
ever since. So I did actually end up doing an episode and that was fun just to kind of reunite with him. But yeah, The Fast Show is is a show that we just did a um, oh about three or four months ago. I don't know when it's coming out. It was for Channel 5, but it's a kind of uh, look back at The Fast Show. And Brilliant. so they, they've, they've got interviews with me and various other people from it. So I'm not sure when that's on, but we have done a kind of retrospective on that. But yeah, there's a Fast Show... Um, He's got a Twitter site. Uh, he contacts me all the time, but he's great. He just he's constantly putting out clips and putting them on again for a new audience, really, because people yeah. keep going. This is so funny. It's never dated. It's like you say, Fools and Horses, which is one of my favourite shows, which I was meant to be in. Another one, another one of those things that you couldn't do. I was cast in a Christmas special and then couldn't do it. But then that, when you nipped out to get your delivery, Kyle, um, a show called Tales from the Poop Deck is what I did instead of only fools and horses um i had to you know that when you get those two jobs at the same time yeah yeah uh told all my friends i was doing the fools and horses christmas special the Aww. biggest show uh, in those days it was the biggest show and i was meant to be in the one where damien was born so i was meant to be the priest and i told <laughs> all my mates remember that. yeah and i and it was and i loved you know i loved that show and so i literally told all my friends and then this tales from the poop deck thing came in that no one had heard of brand new show and it clashed. And my agent said, yes, but Poop Deck might go on to more series. You're only doing one episode of Fools and Horses. I am, but it's Fools and Horses! The biggest <laughs> Christmas show. So I had to turn it down. And the good news is it was Poop Deck that led to the Fast Show interview, which is what I was saying to Sean. So you, you just never know. You know, sliding doors. You never know which route's going to get you. Doors, the, yeah, the, only, yeah. the only connection I've got to Only Fools and Horses is when I... I moved to London twice. Once when I, as soon as I finished drama school in 2010, hated it, lived yeah. in a tiny, tiny box room, so small that I couldn't open the door fully ajar because it would hit the bed. So I'd have to like slide in. <laughs> My that, daughter's in a room like that right now. I was, I was in Wood Green. I moved to a house of people I didn't know, uh, weren't anything to do with the industry anyway. Moved back. The second time I moved back, I moved to uh, Fulham and Chelsea. I lived in Chelsea for a bit, then moved to Fulham. And when I moved to Fulham, I lived opposite Nicholas Lindhurst, literally right opposite. Oh, wow. I, and we used to chat, and obviously me, when you're, when you're an actor and you see famous actors, you just assume that they know that you're an actor somehow. <laughs> and I'm like, hi, Nick, how's it going, blah, blah. And he's just like, yeah, all right. And he used to wear his caps like really low down when he was walking around yeah, the street. Yeah, he's very shy. Yeah, and, um, but yeah, one day that something happened outside the house and there was a bit of trouble and I went outside and tried to intervene and stop the, the goings on and the police were there. And uh, they'd seen me helping this woman and the young lady who were having a bit of distress off this other fella. And him and his wife came over then and, and he actually oh. like took his cap up a bit. I, I kind of felt like he let me in then. And oh. he was like, oh, are you okay? Oh, yeah, we saw what you did. Well done. So, yeah, after that, we always used to chat. And, and that was it. So that's my connection is um, I know um, I know Dave from <laughs> Only Fools and Horses. You well, I, but I met him. Here's the one to go with that. Uh, you know, me with all these stories. Um, I was at school in Cambridge. Uh, he went out with one of my mate's sisters. So randomly, I was at boarding school in Cambridge. He came to the school one day and we're like, that's Nicholas Lindhurst. Didn't speak to him. And then years later, when I started acting, I did extra work before I ever got roles. You're not meant to do extra work. Um, but I thought it was better than working in an office. And I was on Fools and Horses and got chatting to both David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst. And, and as Kyle will tell you, extras aren't meant to talk to the actors. And I thought, <laughs> fuck that. Excuse my language. Um, and so I just went up to him and said, um, Nick, uh, we have actually met before. You went out with a friend of mine's sister called gail Pound had the name of course and he went oh my god oh what that's weird i said yeah and then of course because of that we got chatting and they kind of couldn't stop us because often you'll get them hovering thinking what are those extras doing talking to the actors yeah. um which is why now whenever i act in anything the first thing i do is talk to the extras because i did that job myself and i know how it feels to be treated like you know a second class citizen so you know you're, you're another human being i mean yeah. some extras as kyle will tell you can be a little bit too much which is why sometimes people are kind of hovering but on the whole if you're if you're nice to them they're nice to you and, and i just think it's a good thing to do so good for you remember you gotta so remember where you came from and you on, that it, no you know. on, on that note mate um i knew you and i'd hit it off because we both studied at loughborough oh my god brilliant <laughs> i'm good man. well that's because that's the did you do rugby i did yeah sports science did you, did i was do... one of those are uh, you in the job? You're the purple uh, tracksuit. I was in the African violet. African violet. Wow. Yes, that so was on, one of them. Year, what year were you there? I was 91 to 94, so I was a bit, oh, a bit after you. 
Yeah, you're a youngster. Well, yeah, you're fifty this year, Carl. You know, that's not not. Well, you're looking good, youngster. man. Thanks, well, eighty mate. to eighty-three, I was there. Yes, and and the uh, the Purple Tracksuit Brigade were the kings of Loughborough University. Uh, I wouldn't say I was the kings, but uh, I had, a, had no. a great time. And actually, my eldest son is there now. So, um, oh wow! He follows, I love Loughborough. I loved that uni. I had a fantastic yeah. time. Yeah, I was too. there when Sebastian Coe had just he was doing a postgrad, so he just finished his undergrad. Uh, and he was still breaking world records. So we used to, he'd come into our dining hall because he was going out with someone in our hall and we just all literally, it was stupid, but we'd all look at what's he eating. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is making this guy superhuman? Um, but that brilliant. was a very special time. So we're talking about Loughborough University there, Carl, and uh, yeah, yes. yeah, I was there playing rugby, obviously. And, you know, Kyle's a massive rugby fan. My career has been involved around rugby and now working on the TV commentating. Do you, do you have any interest in it at all? Do you, do you cast an eye over the Six Nations? Or Yes, I do. And I, I, I said to Carl, I used to play. Um, so I went to a school in Cambridge called Perth School, which has a big tradition of sport. Um, so I was in the first 15 for really? two years. What position? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I you see, I'm old school, so I called it wing three quarter. Ah. So um, I was out on the wing, and but I used to play in what we called the dropouts. <laughs> there those of us who really, I wasn't initially into rugby, and so there was a dropouts team, and literally we would stand at the back of the pitch and eat sweets. I mean, we literally <laughs> didn't do anything. Um, and one day, somebody pissed me off, and I ran the length of the pitch with the ball, <laughs> and one of the teachers just went, McFarlane? You're really fast. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong. Uh, you're the wrong team. You should be up with the firsts. And I went what? And I literally got put up to go and play with the first of this kind of rookie, um, and I ended up getting to the first fifteen, which my dad was hugely proud about because he couldn't believe it. So I ended up playing from sort of seventeen. Seventeen. That's partly why I went to Loughborough, but then I never actually played rugby at Loughborough in the end because there were people like you, Sean, who were too uh, good. Um, I don't know I was about that. Kind of, I wasn't county standard or anything. I was just good. I was very fast, basically. Um, so it was like, get the ball to Colin, and it's going to be hard to stop it. And that was that was why I played wing three quarter. And then um, I, I remember break that. I have a slight bump in my nose, which came from rugby at eight, 18, when I ended up getting in a clash with actually one of my own players. Um, so, yeah, I played for... I, I didn't play at uni, but we went to... We used to go to all the, the varsity matches between Cambridge and Oxford. And we used to get taken to, if you're in the first 15, your treat was to be taken to Twickenham every year. So I did that kind of two years in a row. And I now, as Kyle knows, I now have uh, two, uh, I don't like the word, so I won't use it, the word that begins with A. I have taken two children in. Let's put it that way. I won't use the A word because they're now my, my, I now have two extra children and they're Scottish, which is crazy. They're Scottish and they're white. <laughs> and Johnny is 26 and he is a massive, rugby fan brilliant um and he's such a big fan that he can't actually watch scotland games live because if they lose he can't he literally cannot take it <laughs> so seriously i mean i mean i will be watching it live and going but come, you're doing really well come on johnny he went no he he just he will record it and he'll watch it afterwards if he can cope if they win if they don't he just can't he can't do it <laughs> That's so my, my dream is to take him to Murrayfield. I haven't done it yet, but I, I, I've got a mate up in Scotland who says he can arrange it. So I've got to do that. He's a massive fan. Massive. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wing three quarter. Eh? I'd love to see old footage of McFarlane running down the wing there. Yeah. <laughs> grabbing trays. That'd be it. awesome. I mean, football was always my first love, but we didn't play football. At, I, went, I went to private school, so they, they did rugby, hockey, um, what did you do in the third? And then, you know, athletics in the third term. So I... I we played football at the boarding house and rugby was the, was the school, you play, the sport you played at school. So um, yeah. yeah, I did that for two years. I do have an old photograph. I'll have to dig it out for you. There was an old photograph of me in the first 15. Oh man, well, let's get that out. Let's get yeah, that out media. That'd tweet be it for Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> if you could send that to us so we could post it on the socials, that'd be brilliant. I will dig it out for you. <laughs> so what's next, mate? Lockdown has uh, put everything a little bit on halt. So you can do some writing and that. You've got anything in the pipeline? The last thing I did actually was when I was in Cardiff because I tried to get hold of Kyle and Kyle. I think you just that you just gone to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was doing something called I think I'm allowed to. We never know in this business, but I think I'm allowed to tell you what's called. Um, it was a <clears throat> an HBO. It's a new HBO show called Industry, and they were shooting it in Cardiff. Um, I think they're in pre-production at the moment, so I'm not sure when it's out, but it's meant to be on. 
BBC Two as well as going out on HBO in the States. Um, I'm just doing one episode as a sort of uh, a labour peer without giving anything more away than that. But I mean, one episode of that. Um, and then I'm doing my usual, at the moment, yes, you can't do much. So I'm doing, I'm recording a new cartoon series. Um, I hate the fact you can never say what you're doing. But basically, I will do this when I'm allowed to tell you. I know. Uh, but basically, I did a cartoon series last year, um, for obviously for under fives. Um, I can say it's iconic, and you'd know the name if I told you, but they'll kill me if I say anything, because I'm a new character. Am I allowed so to? I am I allowed to whistle the theme that. tune? Am I allowed to? Because it's just a guess, and I could be totally wrong. You could be totally wrong. But you're on the right path, and I won't say anything else because you'll get it on the next one. Um, but that's a new character that I come in as a as a policeman um, in that, and then I do. We just finished Little Princess, which is a series I did with Jane Horrocks, uh, where I pretty much do all the voices. So I do um, the West Indian gardener, who talks a bit like that. Hello, Little Princess. How are you today? Would you like to come and smell my roses? <laughs> and then smell I do my roses. the French chef, who talks a bit like this, huh? Hello, Little Princess. Get out of my kitchen, huh? So I do about five or six voices in that. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a, ra- a range of cartoons and various readings and, and uh, trying to get the right the writing i've just I, again i told carl about this i did as a, a, a show a, a true story about a guy called hutch um that i've my agents now sent out to i think we had nine responses out of 19 uh two or three have said we like it but we think it's better for america um and i basically sent one episode and we've written another episode so it's a question of what you do next do you try and talk to the americans or is it too early for that so with what's going on with the pandemic you kind of go, mm, are people really, how much are people really going to do? Um, I know soaps are being shot. I've got a friend in EastEnders, they're filming. Um, I don't know about you, Kyle. I've been up for, uh, I've done three self-tapes. I, God knows when they think they're going to make these things. I don't know what's happening with you, Kyle. Are you doing self-tapes? Is that now? I've had one self-tape it? in the last six right. months. So, And that was right. that was for something. That is, uh, it's actually now, shoot, it started shooting uh, huh? On the sixth of July in Bulgaria, so I was hoping for a nice little trip over there. But um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, saying that man, it's a, it's a long shoot, so I still could be in the in the mix there. But, but also, um, I'm not sure is it a nice trip. I don't know if it's safe, really. Well, yeah. that's um, the other thing because there's you know spiking in Spain, uh, Germany infections have gone up again, and so I don't. I know we all desperately want to get back to normal, but um, I I just. I'm a little bit hesitant myself. I mean, I, I had a mate on EastEnders saying to me how they've got they've got screens between the actors and, you know, they're two metres apart, And but she's going to me, but Colin, with the best one in the world, even though you're being as vigilant as you can, you're sanitising and all the rest of it, there are situations when you're just too close. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just really difficult to maintain it all the time and you know that you're really taking a risk. Um, so, yeah, until I, I there's a vaccine, it's, it's all they, I think... Uh, a mate of mine, Rupert Graves, was telling me that he knew about a show in Canada where they vac- they put the whole cast and crew into a two-week quarantine Yes, before they started work on it. Now, that I can see, that makes sense. That's what they did with but the Premier it, League, no? They all did that, yes. all the teams. Yeah. yeah, but that's if it's a big studio production and they can afford to do that. Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're only in something for a day. You're not going to necessarily want to be cocooned for two weeks when you're not really around for long. Um mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see how it plays out. But, uh, I got um, so I, like it's been no rugby, <clears throat> no TV, um, but we've just announced the Guinness Pro 14 back August the 22nd. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to be like pitch side and then commentary. Nobody in the stands, no crowd, limited crew. So wow. I'll have the presenter two meters away, and then and me, <laughs> and then my co-commentator is going to be. It's going to be strange because even when you do things like commentary for sport, mm. you want to be close, you're interacting, you know, you're interviewing yeah. players or whatever. And it's going to be really weird. But I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it because it's been a long time without any work. He's just losing my, my sanity more than anything. You know? Well, that's that, you know, that I've been getting. I'm, in fact, later today, I've got to do one of those lovely cameos that, that Kyle introduced me to. Um, and I got it. Normally, you get requests from Outlander fans, obviously, in the old Fast Show, funny enough, the old Batman. But I had one yesterday from an opera singer who's requested requested the message for herself. 
Um, but it's quite sweet and quite touching and that she would just sort of wrote a note saying a bit, you know, I'm a performer and I can't get on stage. All my bookings have been cancelled or suspended. Um, and I'm just feeling a bit lost. And I just wanted to talk to a fellow performer. If you could just share with me how you've been getting through it. And you go, fine, okay. If that's what you'd like me to talk to you about. Um, but of course, it's a one-way conversation yeah. with Cameo. So you, you can't have a chat. Um, but that's indicative, I think, of... I know so many people in the creative industries. As you say, sports, same thing. I had a mate the other day who's a musician. Um, and he said, you know, we can't... He relies on live gigs. Um, unless you're a massive recording artist and you can still make your money on spotify you, you need to do live gigs and um, i've got a mate who's a concert promoter same thing um he's just got all these people that work for him uh he's very successful but he's going i can't do any of my concerts so i don't know when that's gonna come back and summer obviously is the best time for some outdoor stuff but then come the winter when we all know it's a risk to be indoors that's when the problem then moves into another gear really because you yeah. can't at least now we can sit outside the pubs and you know so yeah it's it's tricky until they get a vaccine i think we we have to just recognize that life is not going to be as we'd like it to be yeah no. spot on well we, yeah. we're absolutely delighted you took time to come on tuesday club today um My pleasure. We, uh, it, we're really proud to have you on i know all the outlander fans are going to be listening to this and uh, wishing you all the very best and probably asking you tweeting you questions as to you know how long when we're going to see you and when you're coming over and all of that but uh, good luck with all your ventures Um, whatever you're writing all the things that we can't wait to come out now that we don't know what they're called or what they're going to be but then (laughs) you can come back on and tell us you can come back now we can't um, i'll just tell you because kyle asked about it and again i can't you know tell you it uh but all i will say is there may be news, Kyle, and this is, I have to be cryptic. There may be news about a game show. Oh. I'm just, uh, I'm just putting that out there for you, Kyle, so that when I'm allowed to tell you, you'll go, oh, that's what you meant. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, my voice may be in a game show. A new one. We, we look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to that. Yeah. Colin McFarlane, we, we, we can't let you go from Tuesday Club without taking you up and under. Are you up for that? Okay, go ahead. Okay, some quick-fire questions. You're on the Tuesday Club. We're going with Hollywood actor, Outlander star, voice man extraordinaire. Um, Colin McFarlane, you're coming up and under. Coffee or tea? Green tea. Big stage or big screen? <gasps> big screen. Corrie or EastEnders? You've been in, bo- <laughs> you've done, been in both. I've done both. Uh, I'd have to go EastEnders. Sun or ski? Oh, sun, without doubt. Whiskey or wine? Wine. UK or USA? <laughs> I'm kind of bilingual, but it's got to be UK. Paul Whitehouse or Harry Enfield? <laughs> Easy. Paul Whitehouse. He lives around <laughs> glad, the corner from me. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. And a football one. Man United or Lincoln City? Oh, well done. <laughs> it's Man United and they're playing today. And I'm Are you United? Nervous. I'm a big United fan. I've Man. been to Old Trafford many times and I'm very, very nervous because today I'm spending my whole day kind of building up to the kickoff at four o'clock. Sure, and man. I am praying that we make the Champions League. Man, we, we're made for life. Loughborough University, Man United, yeah. Batman. I mean, come on. In uh, fact, I'm... Sean, there's something you could fulfill for me because Brian Hibbard. Did you ever meet Brian Hibbard? No. Do you know who I mean? No. Oh, okay. Brian Hibbard used to live in Cardiff, and Brian was the lead singer with the Flying Pickets. Oh, yes, yes, pickets? of course. The yeah, one with he was, the sideburns. He was in Twin um, Tone, wasn't he? Yeah, and it, it's right. He did the Welsh Soap, and he also did Coronation Street. And yes. Brian and I did a theatre show many years ago and became great friends, and then sadly passed away a few years yes. ago. And we were on a, we had a pact that he was going to take me to Cardiff Arms Park to see Wales, 
in a rugby match, and we never did it because he passed away. Maybe so we'll take him. maybe you or Kyle could fulfill that dream for me. Mate, um, would you, I'd be delighted to have you as my guest. Me you and Kyle will go, right? How that would that? be awesome. That would be awesome. Right. And then I will I will toast Brian, who's up in the... His wife is still in Cardiff and the children. We'll, right, we'll, mate, we'll do 100%. Kyle, right, that's a deal. On me, we'll all sort it for a Welsh international at the Principality Stadium. And what we'll do, mate, we'll, we'll in the ground, just for the anthem, we'll go... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> for Brian, how's that? For Brian, yeah. He was a very special man. And he was, he was never into rugby, really. He moved back to Cardiff. And then he became the biggest rugby fan in the world and, and the proudest Welshman you'll ever meet. And um, sadly, I think one of the reasons he, he passed away was because he was up all night trying to learn Welsh for the soap <laughs> because he didn't speak Welsh and he had to do that soap in Welsh. And I literally remember him telling me he'd be up till four in the morning trying to master this language, um, which he did. He got through it, but it, it did take it out of him. Uh, God bless him. So Brilliant. Brilliant. it's been a pleasure talking to both of you. And I'm still, Kyle, I'm so impressed that you can do this. I don't know how you do podcasts. Um, Let's just sit and talk to people, mate. You've just done I it. I know, but then you have to edit it and figure out how to get it out there and join up with people. And th- I mean, whatever you do. He's brilliant. doing great, Carl. He's doing great. Thank you. And Thank I, will, you. Um, I will tune in. When does it go out? So this now will be live from midnight, to, well, one minute past midnight on Tuesday morning, as it's called, Tuesday, Tuesday Club. Okay. Every Tuesday, well. you can follow us on Instagram at Tuesday Club Podcast or ah. underscore Tuesday Club on Twitter. Sean normally does this because he's so smooth and slick with these, but I've just pulled it out of the bag there just for you, Carl. Uh, but yeah, what we was the will. Twitter one? What was the Twitter one? You know, I live on Twitter. At underscore Tuesday Club, and we Thank will you. get at some. Tuesday Club. Yeah, Got we'll it. get some info out now tonight. Um, so we we always tend to do evening posts because we do have a lot of listeners over in the states. Um, so we'll get some stuff up for the listeners, and uh, yeah, you'll be coming out live now on Tuesday morning, call. So tune Loving in, it. Apple Podcast Loving or it. Spotify. And you've got to now go and edit this baby. Yeah, I'll do that tomorrow night. That's fine. Right. Wow. I'll go and watch Man United lose now this afternoon. Sean, what do you think the score's going to be? May I be happy with nil-nil, call? Yeah, same. I'll take it, but, you know, know, I'd love for us to just play the best possible, you know. I've got a sneaky feeling that Wolves are going to beat Chelsea. Yeah. Got a feeling. Yeah. If they beat Chelsea, we haven't got to do anything. No. Fingers crossed, mate. Obviously, we don't want to leave it to that. So. Man, just followed you on Twitter, so I'll be messaging you later during the game. All right. <laughs> okay, cool. I will follow you back. All right, boys. Do you want to get your own room? I'll go. I'll just leave. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Colin. It's been a pleasure Thank talking you, to you, mate. Kyle, it's been awesome. Speak soon. Ta-ra, mate. Ta-ra. 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 Ta-ra.